Thank you for joining us. It's our mission to restore hope and make a positive difference in your life today. Remember to hit subscribe so you can be the first to know when we release new content. Let's go now to today's message. Luke 22 is talking about this is a particular moment in the Holy Week. And I love this moment that we're going to be really moving into in the morning. This will be um, Thursday that this took place. But I wanted to put it in our mind's eye tonight because I believe God wants us to think on this as we get up in the morning, as we uh, go through our day tomorrow. And I want us to, I just want to plant this verse into our spirit that, that coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives and he went there. Jesus goes there. Uh, he's at a, he, he goes there because this is a familiar place. How many knows that the Bible is clear he was accustomed to this place? It was a habit. And it was, a, this place was his, as we call the place of our petitions, a secret place. It was a place he got along with God, and his disciples followed him to the place. Um, I, I want to talk about this just for a moment, and I'm not going to do a lot of nuggets tonight. I'm going to stick to the story, but I, I do want to say one thing, that, that uh, this was, what is a habit will become habitation. What, will, what is a habit, and that's probably the only nugget you're going to hear from me tonight, but what we form as habits becomes our habitation. That's for good or bad. We can have good habits that form something great for us to live in. Come on, somebody. Or we can have a bad habit that, that causes us to live in misery and live in weariness and live in fear and depression. But whatever it is that we live in, it's because we've been in a habit of building that house. And how many knows that, that when you build a house, uh, you're, you're using same materials, but you're just kind of repeating with those same materials to build. It's called a habit. And in mortar, if you're using brick, you're, you're trying to build a place. So it's a perpetual place that Jesus would go to because it was that place of surrender for Jesus. It was that secret place. And when He came to this place, it said that He prayed that you may not enter into temptation. In other words, He's saying, I pray that strength would come to spare you from the severe test that's coming. <laughs> he's letting them know there's a test that's getting ready to come. And he's saying, I'm just praying that, that you'll have enough strength to pass the test. So he goes on to say, and, and he was withdrawn from them, so he got away from them. He, he went a little bit of distance, a short distance, just to be alone in the garden. And the Bible says that he knelt down and he prayed. Verse 42, Father... If it's your will, take the cup away from me. If it's your will, can, can you just let the cup pass from me? And nevertheless, we know he says, not my will, but thine, no matter what, your will uh, must be mine, is what he's saying right here. No matter what, whatever your will is, God, that, that must be what I need to do. And then the angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. Now watch this. The angel come to strengthen him before he was in such agony that he dripped blood. So there was a strengthening before there was a pouring out. 
And God, he, he had to have that last, and I believe that, you know, script in, in this actually uh, translation, it doesn't share with us that he called the angel. There may be other translations that says that, but I believe in my spirit that he called for the angel to strengthen him. I believe that with all my heart. Because he knew what was coming. And, and so we'll get a little bit into that here in just a moment. But the sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And as we see Jesus and his men in the midst of an eventful night, follow me just for a moment. I'm going to go through a story. They had just finished the Passover. We just celebrated Sunday, the Passover. And we see the celebration that took place in John 12, 12, where we talked about that this event was something that they were celebrating. It was a time of triumph. And we can see here that the Hosanna that was uh, full of concern, as we talked about, how many know that that concern turned into divine confidence? It, it, be, it became a praise. What was used to be a, a, a sound of concern became a sound of praise. Hosanna, uh, the Bible says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel, and the multitude praised him, the Bible says, and many of them praised him that were healed, that were delivered. Uh, many praised him for the miracle. Some were waiting on him because they'd heard the miracles that he had performed. And this was right before uh, this transpires that we can see. We can see the, uh, uh, as if we go on, we can see now he's in the garden. But if you move back just a little bit before the garden, you can see the establishment of the Christian community around the table of the Lord. We can see that in Matthew chapter number 26, verse 14, uh, we see the first day of the festival of the thin bread, and then the Passover. And as we know, that day became the, the it was lamb selection day. They were celebrating what Jesus had done in the Old Testament. And we see there that the lambs were being slaughtered, and Jesus told Peter and John to go into the city, meet a man, Watch this, that's carrying a jar of water. Now, that's going to come into play here in just a minute. I, I, did, I caught that as I was researching and studying. There is a jar of water that the man was carrying that he told him to go to, and it's going to come into full view here in just a few moments. But as he's carrying this jar of water, we can see that he says, I want you to follow the man with the water. <laughs> I want you to follow the man that's carrying the water, and he says, I want you to go into the house, and I want you to tell him, hey, I need to borrow a room. How many knows Jesus likes to borrow stuff? Because he don't stay there too long. Amen? So he's borrowing a room, and he says, I want you to borrow a room. This is going to be the spot where we're all going to gather, and this is going to be the place where you see Christian community around the table. It's going to be a place of fellowship. We're going to fellowship. We're going to commune with one another at the table of the Lord. We're going to get together and we're going to get in a room and we're, going to, and, and, and we're going to eat together. And we know that this is the Last Supper, but we understand that Peter and John was the ones that were sent to find the spot to prepare the meal. And the Bible tells us that they did so. In the book of John, chapter number 13, if you go with me there, it says, as the evening meal is in, prog in, in progression, it's in progress, now we see that as the evening meal is transpiring, they're sitting there, they're communion, they're communing together, they're communicating, they're talking with Jesus. And let me tell you something, Jesus is, at a, he is working at an accelerated speed because he knows what's getting ready to take place. I believe that there was lessons that was accelerated in this moment 
so that he could prepare the disciples for what they were going to do when he began to ascend unto the heavens. And we see here that verse 13, it says, as the, they, were, they were eating the meal, this was the moment that the enemy prompted Judas to do what he did. Y'all know what he did. We know that Judas betrayed Jesus, but I want you to see what Jesus did in the midst of the betrayal of Judas. As Judas is planning on betraying Jesus, Jesus gets up from the table. And we see that Jesus got up, took off his outer garment. Why did he do that? Everything is a snapshot of what he's getting ready to do. Everything is a snapshot of what God sent him here to become. The Bible said that he took off his royal garment in heaven and became flesh and dwelt among us. So this is just the picture that he stripped off his royalty, hallelujah, to become a servant in this moment. To become what the Bible says is a living sacrifice. He was holy and he was acceptable. And we see here that as Judas was going to betray Jesus, we see Jesus got up, took off his garment, wrapped himself in a towel around the waist, poured the water into the basin. There's your water pot. Hallelujah. He used the water that the man, I believe he used the water the man was carrying, and he used it in this moment to wash the feet of the disciples. So he's washing the feet of the disciples, and, and he's drying their feet with the towel around his waist, and as I begin to read this, I begin to, everything from Genesis to Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. And you see that, that before the children of Israel get to the place where they're moving in the direction of their destiny, they're in front of what we call the Red Sea. And the Bible says that God in the nick of time parted that Red Sea. And when they got over to the other side, come on and help me somebody. The Bible says that they didn't even have any evidence on their feet with what they had been through. So there was no dirt on their feet. Which means, and here I can see it, that there's a washing away of an old thing because God is getting ready to do a new thing. Come on, somebody. And I want you to understand that the washing of this feet was the depiction of what Jesus was actually doing. He was preparing them for what was going to take place. And he told Peter, he said, you don't understand what I'm doing now. But he said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me unless I do this you can have no part with me and we know the greater revelation is that he was preparing them for what he was doing he was listen to me the, the, the children of Israel were bound they were slaves right but then God set them free how many knows who the son sets free is free indeed but I want you to watch what he did he became the servant he became the slave so that the disciples could be set free to go do what God had called them to do. And we see here that, that he, Jesus tells Peter, he said, he said I, you may not understand it now, but one day you're going to understand. And here's Peter. Peter, as he always is, oh God, I'll not deny you. Remember his personality? God, I'm not going to deny you. God, I could never leave you. I could never forsake you. I'll always be with you, God. And here he is. God is uh, Jesus God in form, in flesh form, is washing the feet of Peter, and he's saying, Oh, oh, would you wash my hands, right? Would you wash my head? He's saying, Wash all of me. And he said, It's okay. You're okay in this room. He said, I can tell you're clean. But he said, There's some people in this room. How many knows Jesus had some discernment? 
He said, there's some people in this room that are not clean. And what he was doing was just saying, I pinpoint you, Judas. I know what you're getting ready to do. And he actually was preparing him to do it. I want you to think about that. He was letting him know, okay, it's about your time to take off. And we see here that, 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 that the washing of the feet was taking place and we see that Jesus said, uh, he says, he says, I want you to, he said, I, he said, this has to take place. And then we see that they, that Jesus willingly washed their feet as he was washing their feet. Now I want you to think about whose feet he was washing too. He was washing the feet of those that in just a few moments was going to scatter from him. He was washing the feet of those, uh, uh, Peter, who in that moment would later deny him as we just talked about. He was washing the feet of Judas who would, initi- who would uh, in, 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 in just a nick of time, was going to betray him. As verse 30 tells us, watch this, that when the prince of the world came, it says, it says that now he didn't have power, dominion, or authority over him, but it said he came because the world would have to know uh, of Jesus' love for his father and that he and they had to know that, that Jesus was going to be obedient to do what his father told him to do. And Jesus, Judas went out, the Bible says, and we see when Judas goes out, when, when all of the things transpired and he went out, the Bible tells us that then the darkness began to come. And we can see this, that the second half of Holy Week, we can see that in the beginning there was rejoicing. It was Palm Sunday. They're waving uh, victory branches through the streets. They're rejoicing. And then we see, fast forward on this night, that there was a woman in Bethany who broke open her box to anoint the precious Savior. And the Bible says that the woman broke open her, 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 her expensive oil, her expensive fragrance to pour all of it. Not just, not just a little bit of it. Come on, somebody. I could preach right here. I need to get through this. But it's easy for us to come in and just give a little dab of praise, just a little dab of worship. But this woman knew I got to pour it all out on him in this very moment. Come on, somebody. What if it was the last time you could pour it all out on him? And she knew that there was something getting ready to transition. She may not have known it completely in her mind and in her thinking, but she was making preparation for what was getting ready to transpire. She said, I'm going to pour it all out. Why? Because Jesus was getting ready to pour it all. Come on, somebody. This oil was precious. This oil was pricey. I want you to see this, that it was expensive. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is pricey. The blood of Jesus is expensive. The blood of Jesus purchased your redemption. And we see in this Wednesday night that, 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 that this woman poured out her worship. She poured out her oil upon Jesus. She was making preparation for the steps that was going in the next. And we see the establishment of this in motion. It's a motion picture. And Gethsemane where Jesus wrestled with the will of God. Now he's here. He is on his knees and he's praying. And he knew in this moment that this must transpire before there would be the transition 
This had to happen. They made the way, the Bible says, if you read in your word, it says in Jer- they made their way in Jerusalem down the Kidron Valley and they made their way to the secret place, His secret place of prayer. And Jesus discussed with His disciples, I love this because even as He's going to His demise, He's giving them instruction. Come on, somebody. As he's going to be stripped of everything, he is pouring into them everything that he knows. All of his knowledge and all of his wisdom. Everything that they needed to know in this hour. It reminds me so much of in Scripture when prophetic people would be laying on their deathbed, but they still had a strength to pour into the next generation. And we see here that Jesus discussed with his disciples the great truth contained in John chapter number 14 and going all the way through 17. He taught them about heaven. Hallelujah. Anybody excited about heaven right now? Anybody ready to go? Come on, somebody. We're excited about the next place and where we're going. And he taught them about that. And he taught them about the peace of God. Come on, somebody. He taught them about that constant peace that passes all understanding. And he taught them about the surrendered life. Hallelujah. And as he's teaching them about the surrendered life, he is the perfect surrender in his footsteps of where he's going into the depths of this garden because he knew what was getting ready to transpire. He was showing them the picture as he was illustrating what he was declaring. There's a perfect surrendered life and the coming of the Holy Spirit will come to the those who Yield to Holy Spirit. We see here that in uh, uh, He is in the garden, and, and or He is walking toward the garden rather, and and He's talking about the surrendered life, and He's telling them what's getting ready to come. He's telling them, "I'm going to send you a Helper. I'm going to send you a Comforter." Acts two, and He prays with them. And I love this part of the story because as He's praying for the disciples in John seventeen, for He prays three different dimensions. He prays as He is. How many knows He is? He was, and He is to come and so he prays for where he was and he prays for where he was going he prayed for himself he prayed for his disciples mission and then he prayed for the believers that means he prayed for you in this moment come on somebody he prayed for the believers right here in this moment on his way to the garden he prayed for you I need you to turn to somebody and say he's been praying for you for a long time He's been praying for me for a long time. But why? Because he loves me. He loves you. That's how much he loves you. And how many knows that it was that prayer that's kept you out of a lot of mess? It was that prayer that has helped you and guided you and led you. And we see in John 17 that he prayed for the believer making the way down to this secret place. He was accustomed to go. It was that familiar place. It was the place of habit. It was a place where he came on a regular basis. And that place was the place of the olive tree. I want to point this out because I believe that this is very important in the story that he positioned himself in the midst of the olive trees to pray. The place of prayer was at a place of pressure. His place where he was going was at a place of pressure in the day we enclosed. And, and, and in that day it was enclosed. It was walled up. It was gated. And, and he would go into this gated place and he would go Luke 22 and 39. It says it was his refuge. It was a place where he could find solitude. It was the place that he communed with God. And let me just say this. It's one thing for us to pray. Thank God for prayer. But it's another thing to commune. Come on somebody. There's a difference in praying 
and there's a difference in, commun- in communion with God. When you're in communion with God, when you're in communication with his will, when you're in that place of consecration that whatever it is, God, that you want for my life, I'm willing to surrender so that, and I'm willing to sacrifice my life just as you did so that I could live. God, whatever it is you want me to do, strip me of everything, God. Let your will be done. He found the solitude in the garden. He found the solitude in the secret place. The secret place was his sanctuary. Hallelujah. The secret place was his place where he would slip away and he would get away with God. And tonight we are going to, in just a few moments, we're going to find a place, hopefully before the storm starts coming our way. Praise God. But we're going to find a place and a position here in just a few moments. We're going to get into a place and a position of prayer. And I want, but but I also want you to go into this place, this secret place for a moment in our story. This was a prayer of consecration. This was a prayer of surrender to the will of God. This was the place of the Bible says, the nevertheless. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Uh, God, whatever it is that my heart desires in this moment, I'm willing to give it up because God, I know you have a greater glory that we have to obtain, that we have to get to. And he says, I, I, I surrender myself. And this is that prayer for us, as, a, as even in America, that we turn from our wicked ways. We surrender and we turn from our wickedness and we pray. And the Bible says that he will begin to bring healing. And this is that place of surrender. This is that place of consecration. This is that place of Gethsemane. Gethsemane was the place of pressing, uh, the olive press where trees grew and olives were collected and pressed and liquid would begin to emerge oil. Hallelujah. The olive would be pressed and then it would emerge with oil. There's pressure before there's oil. There's pressure before there's production from heaven. There's intense force before there is increase in your life. The picture of what is being displayed in this moment as Jesus the anointed, watch this, was in position to be pressed. Eight of the disciples were at the gate. Peter, James, and John began to walk in a little bit deeper. And I just want to talk to some people that you may feel like you've been pressed, but maybe it's because God wants you in close proximity. Maybe it's because that He wants you to go a little bit deeper. And I believe that God is calling a people deeper with desire. If you have desire to, God says, I'll pull you into a deep place with me. I'm talking about a place where eyes cannot see it, ears have not heard it, neither has it entered to the heart of God, the the heart of man, the things that God has provided and planned for you even in this moment, and he is calling you to a deeper place. How many believe that if you're hungry, he'll feed you? How many knows if you're thirsty, he'll give you something to feel the the thirst and quench the thirst that's in you and the Bible once says if you're hungry if you're thirsty for righteousness he will fill your cup up and the olive pressed was for that moment of emerging it was that for that moment of pressure to produce an emerging of the precious to produce an emerging of an anointing of a fresh oil that would come out of the press place and the pressure produced the power hallelujah it was the oil that through the test that brought the increase 
of the of, of the greater glory, the greater purpose. That there's a birthing that becomes uh, familiar in this place of the pressing of the garden. Here we understand that pressure produces uh, uh, power in our lives, and the pressure is producing His power. Watch this to break every yoke of bondage off of your life. His, his uh, the pressure that you've been in is because God is cultivating an oil that's on the inside of you to break off every limitation, to break off every struggle, to break off every fear. He already took the pressure so that you could have the production of the oil. That every yoke of bondage breaks at the oil that was released in this moment and the enemy deemed to limit you and the enemy deemed to crush you in a corner and the enemy deemed to take you out. But I'm here to tell you that he didn't crush you. He only created in you a fresh oil. Come on. Whatever tried to crush you in this season is only producing a greater measure of increase and glory in your life. Whatever is incurable in this season is the... the the very thing that's getting ready to bring a greater increase in your life. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you that the thing the doctor said was incurable is the thing that's birthing an increased oil in your life to heal you. I said there's a healing ministry that's getting ready to be birthed because sickness has hit this earth and the enemy's tried to crush God's church and the enemy has tried to mock God's church and the enemy has had a heyday with God's church but there's a remnant that wants to go deeper and they desire to be pressed because they know if you press me on every side you still can't crush me you're only producing in me the the, the realities of the kingdom you're only producing out of me a resource from heaven come on somebody give God praise if you believe that the pressure Jesus went through the intense internal pressure Emotional pressure, spiritual pressure. Listen, he was fatigued. Just like you and I get fatigued when we worked all Wednesday. Amen. Come on, somebody. And he got tired and he was fatigued. But it didn't stop his commitment to pray. It didn't stop his commitment, watch this, to get into the house of God. Come on. It didn't stop his commitment to get to church on a Wednesday night. Just like you showed up and those of you who showed up online, praise God. It didn't stop it because he knew the greater purpose was worth the pressure. He knew the greater promise was worth the pressure. And I came to tell somebody in this place that the thing Jesus sweat out in this moment, the drops of blood that went into the ground, I want you to understand that the blood that went into the ground wasn't just something that happened by accident. That blood was the thing in that very moment that broke the curse in the earth. I wish I had somebody to help me. I said the blood of Jesus that fell, I want you to understand that it wasn't an accident. The blood that went into the ground was on purpose because he knew that one day you would feel depression. He knew that one day you would pick up a knife and say I'm going to end my life but there was a blood that broke the curse of depression off of you and when you get a revelation of the blood you understand there's victory no matter where you are. 
no matter where you've been, no matter where you're going, you understand that victory is yours. How is victory yours? It's through the blood that was shed, not just on the cross, but in this place. What was the curse in the garden? He said, I'm going to take, I'm talking about the garden of Eden. I'm talking about where it all took place. It was in this moment that when the sweat hit the ground, the curse was broken off of your life. I wish I had somebody. I said, you're not bound by law anymore. You're not bound by rules and regulations because the blood of Jesus has set you free. Now men will tie you up. Men will chain you up. But I'm here to tell you there was a man who came. He was laying in the garden praying for you. And as he was praying and stressing it out and sweating it out, he said, I came to give you life. That the enemy meant it for death. That the enemy meant it for harm. He said, but my sweat just blessed your curse. My sweat just healed your body. My sweat just pulled cancer out of your struggle, out of your body. Killed every cell that tried to harm you. His blood was enough to cancel the curse cells in your body. His blood in this moment poured out. Man, I wasn't going to preach. Ah, Y'all know me. But His blood, Jesus was overwhelmed. He knew what He was going to suffer. But in this moment, the curse turned into blessing. The Garden of Eden began, began to transition into the greater Garden of Purpose. Come on, somebody. The Garden of Death transitioned into the Garden of Life. Turn your neighbor and tell them you need to understand where you are. The garden of death is behind you. I, you know, th- th- this ain't popular. This is not popular preaching because we love, we love law and we love to judge and we love to tell people that they're going to hell if they've messed up. But I come to tell you the devil is a liar. Yes, he came to fulfill the law. He's the fulfillment of the law. He's the fulfillment. You don't have to live in condemnation. You don't have to come in here and be ashamed to lift your hands and be ashamed to worship Jesus. I don't care what you did last night. His mercy became new when you got up this morning. And if you've asked God to forgive you, don't you dare live in condemnation. Don't you dare. I wish I had somebody to help me. Come on. You've forgotten where God has brought you from. I'm asking somebody to remember where you was when God found you, when he picked you up, when he put you on a solid foundation when he placed your feet on the blood when he placed your feet on life no death no sin no curse no condemnation could change your mind because he loved you enough to form the foundation of love Jesus was overwhelmed he knew what he was about to suffer he knew what he was about to do he was getting ready to become sin for the cross He was about to be judged. (laughs) For the first time, there was going to be a breach between Him and the Father. That relationship was going to be severed. and He would be separated. I'm talking about a perfect lamb. A perfect individual who did nothing. Was stripped of everything in this moment so that you could have everything you need tonight. Come on, if that ain't enough to praise God, I don't know what else to tell you. He was stripped of everything. Listen, so you could have everything. 
He was stripped of everything so you could be blessed. You don't have to live under a curse. You got a generational curse, it's already passed if you'll just believe the blood. He's already blessed your future. He's already blessed your children. He's already blessed the grounds that you walk on. He's already blessed the house that you live in. All you got to do is believe the blood that he's blessed you with. And we would not only be abandoned, he would be tried. Jesus was tried, he was abandoned, he was condemned. But the very, by the very people that he went to the cross for, he was condemned, he was tried, he was mocked, he was cursed. And, and, and by the very people that he went to save and redeem. And he knew that the most powerful human government on earth was getting ready to amp the, uh, turn up the, uh, the ammy. That, they was getting, that fury was going up a level. He knew that they were coming after him with the vengeance but God's word says that the flesh became and dwelt among us but there was a glory that was getting ready to be be, uh, be beheld that had not yet been released yes they saw the healing yes they saw the miracles yes they saw the Jesus the Messiah yes they saw everything but not yet where they was there a way of escape for them and Jesus was getting ready to perform that's why he washed the feet because he was getting ready ready to create a way come on God was making a way where there seemed to be no way and just like he did for the children of Israel and he made a way for them to go into their promise in this moment as he's in the garden he's preparing for them to have a way into their victory the Bible says being in agony he prayed more earnestly which means he prayed intensely with determination And as he prayed intensely with determination, the Bible says the forehead began to burst as sweats of blood mingled together, dripped into the ground. Why? For your situation that seems impossible. It wasn't just at the cross that he conquered it all. Although he had to make it all the way there, it first started in this place of the garden. The pressing Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is just like Jesus, you will feel the pressure before the next moment of your life. And don't be surprised if right around the corner of that pressure is a cross. Come on, somebody. Because he's trying to do something in you. He's trying to do something in me. The story of Joseph, if you go through the story of Joseph, you can see that he was in a pit. He went into a prison and he went into, then he made his way into the palace. Why? Because he had a dream. And I'm convinced that the dream is more about cultivating the, cultivating the character of Christ in us than it is about the final destination. That was the reason that he went through the process is because when he got to the end, watch this, the people who had stripped him of everything and thrown him in the pit and left him even not even water to refresh him, he, at the end of the story, what did he do? He provided for them who stripped him of everything. What did Jesus do for them? He provided them who stripped him of everything. He said, I'm still going to go. He said, I'm still going to provide. He said, I'm still going to sustain. Yes, 
they stripped me, they've mocked me, they've cursed me, they've beat me, they've scandalized my name, they falsely accused me, but I'm still going to go to the cross because it's the mission to reflect who he is in the processes of your pressure. What I'm trying to tell you is don't be, uh, don't be surprised when you're going through the process, but I promise you this, there is a promise on the other side, and that promise is for the provision of the others. This was the first place, Jesus, in the garden. We see that atonement, as we've said many times, the Gethsemane was that first place. And, and I've been there. I've been in the garden, and those trees are so old, and you can see the roots coming out. And I think about, as I look at those roots, I think about us being engrafted in with God's people. You can see it. You can just see the picture of it when you see these trees. They're so old, and the roots are going in. And many uh, uh, scholars believe that these trees are, are the ones that were alive in that moment. Can I just tell you why? Because when Jesus' blood drops to the ground, everything His blood touches has to live. Come on, somebody. Everything His blood touches cannot die. I wish I had somebody to praise God. You should be dead today, but everything the blood touches has to live. And if you're living, is there anybody that's living? I know it's a Wednesday night and I know it's raining outside, but I wish I had somebody that would praise God because you were touched by the blood of Jesus. I wish I had somebody that would praise God because you should be a dead limb, but you were touched by the blood of Jesus. You, that sickness should have taken you out, but you were touched by the blood of Jesus. The enemy came after your marriage, but the blood of Jesus mended it. Why? Gave your marriage back life. Why? Because you were touched by the, I wish I had somebody that understood the precious blood of Jesus is greater than the pain. The precious blood of Jesus is greater than the pressure. The precious blood of Jesus is greater than the process that you're going through. The blood. The blood of Jesus. As, as, uh, as we know that the precious blood of Jesus, we can sing the songs what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Come on, help me say, nothing but the blood. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood. And this is why we say, glory, glory, this I sing. Nothing but all my praise to you. I bring nothing but the blood of Jesus, he was wounded for transgression. He was bruised for iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And as the worship team begins to get in position, I want you at, for about 30 seconds to give God praise for the blood that changed your, not only your life, but changed your mind, changed your future, changed your next generation, changed your surroundings, changed your business. Come on, changed your marriage, changed you from from sickness into health changed you from poverty into it was the blood that blessed you I wish I had somebody to understand it was the blood that blessed you your daddy didn't bless you your grandma didn't bless you I said it was the blood of Jesus who blessed you because you were living in a sin cursed world you were living in a cursed season in a cursed space but when the blood of Jesus touched the ground in the garden of Gethsemane Jesus said that blessing is available to the believer Whoever will believe in the benefits of the blood will be blessed by Him. As the worship team comes and gets into place, 
I want to turn our attention on the fact that Jesus said, let the cup pass from me. He said, I want this cup to pass from me. Now I want you to understand what was in the cup. It wasn't what I just took. Fresh water. It was a bitter cup. It was a cup of undiluted wrath. It was a cup that would separate. And I'm talking about the one who was separated from sin. Jesus, the, the purified one, the holy one, the harmless one. Yet He takes the most horrible thing the world has ever known. This cup was all physical corruption that we deal with here on planet earth. Any physical situation, He took it in this cup. Every time that intimidation and fear and worry would come upon you, it was in this cup. Corruption. Let's just get right down to it. Homosexuality. Lesbianism. Was in the cup that He was about to to take perversion, anger, bitterness, hatred was in this cup. The sins of the flesh and the sins of the Spirit were in the bitter cup. And that cup, when He took it, it was for Him to be judged. I'm talking about the perfect Lamb would be taking the cup and when he took the cup, watch this, he would be abandoned by God. <laughs> Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. How many knows, thank God for the cup he took for your victory? for your healing, for your peace, for your sanity, for redemption. Everybody stand to your feet. We're getting ready to close. But I, I want you to think about this cup as we leave. Because the truth of the matter is, He conquered the cup of the curse so that you could be blessed. But how many knows in our walk with Christ, every one of us will have a cup to bear? Every one of us will have a cup, a surrender to experience. <laughs> if we drink from the cup, just like Him, we will receive a crown. We cannot have the crown without the cup. Come on now, somebody. We can call for heaven to just split open and we can dance and we can shout. We can do all the things. But there will not be a surge unless there's a surrender. And you know what that surrender is? Father, Your will. Not my will. Not what I want. But God, what is it that You want? So God, I surrender all. You remember the old song, I surrender all? All to Thee, my blessed Savior. You're saying, God, I'll take the cup. Because one day, I want to receive the crown.
because I want something to offer you, not just here, but when I get over there. Come on, somebody. If I want a crown to lay at the feet of Jesus, I got to drink the cup. If I want the surge and the glory to fall in God's house, I got to take a, a, a time and say, God, whatever you want to do, I surrender. Here's what I want to ask you to do. And this is what the Lord began to tell me. And I just want to say this because I believe some of you are in the place in the season of surrender. Some of you are at the place of Gethsemane. And I heard the Lord say this as I was studying, that the measure of trial is only because of the measure of trust. <laughs> Woo! I don't know, maybe that was just for me personally, but I'm just telling you, the, the, the measure of the trial that's coming against you, that's coming against your family, I'm talking about the sickness that's trying to take you out at your home, and, 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 and you came here, some of you are weak and tired, you didn't even want to be here tonight, but the measure of the trial is just a greater uh, uh, understanding that the Lord trusts you enough to bring you through the trial. How many knows there's treasure after the trial? I'm going to say it again. How many of those treasure after the trial? The wrong, the, the, you know what the problem is? Is that, that so many people, they're going through the trial. Well, why would God have this to happen to me? Why would God do this to me? No, God trusts you enough with the trial. God trusts you enough to go through it. Because he knows that when you get to the other side of this, come on somebody, you're going to experience the, the place of his presence like you've never experienced it before. You're going to have a greater measure of praise. You're going to have a a greater measure of promise. I'm telling you the stuff the enemy's tried to limit you with, the stuff the enemy's tried to block out of your life, it's getting ready to break through. There's an oil that's going to bring increase. There's an oil that's going to break the chain. The, every limitation is breaking off. See, religion will not allow us to see this, but I want you to understand, religion has sent people to hell for way too long. I'm here to tell you, you're not cursed. You're blessed. You're just going through the trial because God trusts you to give you a greater blessing. No matter if it feels what it feels like, you're blessed in the city. Come on. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. Deuteronomy says if you keep all the law, you'll be blessed. Watch this. But Jesus became the law and blessed you anyway. Hallelujah. Come on somebody. He blessed you. There's no, there's not one person who kept all of those laws and was blessed in that day because he knew that they would trip up. He knew that they was going to make mistakes. He knew that they was going to fail to the law. But there's a grace that steps into the picture and became the fulfillment of every law he, he was wounded for my transgression he was bruised for my iniquities the chastisement of my peace was upon him come on somebody he came to bless you and now all of those things that Deuteronomy says you can have you can have it here's the here's the token belief all you got to do is believe and God wants to produce uh, riches in your life. Come on. God wants to bless you with healing. God wants to deliver you. God wants to deliver your family. He wants to bless you going in. He wants to bless you going out. And the only thing, I'm not talking about that everything's going to be sunshine and roses, but when the storm is raging, you know that you're standing in a position of blessing. The rain is only going to bring my gain when I understand where I'm standing. Come on, somebody. I want you to get a hold of this because the blood is enough. The blood is enough. 
What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I don't have to work at it because, listen, the law made you work at everything. And let me tell you something. When you get when you get full of the blood, you're not going to sin. Let me just go ahead and say it to clear up all the religious spirits in here to say, well, he's saying you can do anything and be blessed. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is you can't work it in yourself. It takes the blood to save you. It takes the blood to redeem you. And when you're standing in a position of being blessed because of what he did, you don't want to do anything that would harm the heart of the Father because you understand that he sent his son to a world so that I could be saved, so that I could be delivered, so that I can be made whole. I can feel it, man, when those, y'all, he's saying, oh, he's going off and let, no, what I'm trying to tell you is you can't work it up yourself. I can't work it up myself. If I could work it, I wouldn't need him. If I could do it in my own ability and obtain it. But here's what I want to tell you. If you trip up, if you mess up, say, Lord, forgive me and move on. Come on, somebody. I'm tired of people coming in the house and not even being able to worship Jesus because what they did last night. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. Tell the Lord you're sorry and bless the Lord at all times and let the praise of God come out of your mouth. Live in victory. Live in victory. Live in wholeness. Live in health. Live in wealth. How do I do that? I know I'm blessed. I'm blessed when I'm raining. I'm blessed when it's sick. I'm blessed when I'm down and I don't have anything in the bank account. I'm blessed. Not because I did it. Not because I can work hard enough. Not because I'm gifted and talented. No, because he he bled it out. He bled it out. He pled in the garden. He pled and he pled the more earnestly. Why? So that I could live in the land of blessing. The place of the garden of Eden is the place of communion with God. What do you think God's trying to do? He's trying to get us back to the place of communication with Him. So what He did is send His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the thing that brought the curse and death now has been shifted because the blood of Jesus hit the ground. And when the blood of Jesus hit the ground, now you have a place called paradise in God. Hallelujah. You have a place called the garden of perfection in God not in me in God lift your hands toward heaven and just surrender right now and say Lord just here thank God for the blood just thank him for the sacrifice thank him for holy week thank him for what this season means to you and I here's what I want to do tonight before we leave this place and I don't care how long you do it You can do it as long as you feel. But here's what the Lord told me. He said, I want each and every person in here to find this place. Find your place in this place. That's what I heard the Lord say. Find your place in this place. And now let me just go ahead and clarify it in this moment. (laughs) So what you need to do, if it's your seat, if it's up at this altar, wherever the Holy Spirit tells you to kneel, to pray, We're going to find an altar just for a few moments. And here's what I want you to do. In this season of transition, what God is doing at Restoring Hope Church is what I want to ask you to do. I want want you to ask God in this moment 
what is your will? What is your will? I want us to pray that prayer of surrender, that prayer of consecration, and I want us to find a position in prayer. And as you're doing that, won't you just go ahead and begin to transition, begin to move. If you want to stay where you're at, if you want to sit in your, I don't care how you do it. If you want to come up to this altar, whatever God's telling you to do, but we're going to find a place in this house to pray. We're going to find a place in this house to communicate with God. We're going to find a place in this house to press into worship. We're going to find a place in this house to allow our fragrances to be poured out into Jesus and onto Jesus. And I want you to remember the sweat was part of the curse. He told Adam, because you have eaten of the forbidden fruit, your sweat of the brow, and you will labor and you will work to produce for the rest of your life. The earth will give up thorns. But just like the weight of the stone in the trough, if you will, of Gethsemane produced the oil, the weight of the sacrifice produced the sweat-mingled blood of Jesus that hit the earth. And the anointing oil of God through His blood broke the curse off of your life. I want you to know that. He broke the curse off of your life. He broke the curse off of your family that the enemy is trying to tell you and label you and make you wear something that God has already removed. He's already done it. It's already settled. You don't have to work for anything. Jesus took the sins of the world through the blood and all you have to do is believe and be blessed. Now here's the last thing I'm going to say and then I'm going to get out of the way and I want us to press in with worship and I want you to have this time with the Lord. But Luke 22 tells us, just want to insert this, that the angel was sent from heaven to strengthen the Lord. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews 1 and 14 that you have an angel assigned to you. Just like Daniel prayed and God removed him from the lion's den, just like Peter prayed in prison and an angel came to guide him out of the prison, I'm asking God to dispatch angel, your personal angel for your breakthrough right now. The truth is we have not because we ask not. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to ask your angel. Put your angel on an assignment. Come on. The tragedy is the unemployment of angels in heaven because we're not asking God of anything. I'm asking you right now to press in. I'm asking you right now to pray. I'm asking you right now because God has given you the authority to assign an angel to do what only God can do in your situation. If you need provision, go ask the, tell the angel, I need the money. Go after it. If you need a healing in your body, ask the angel of the Lord to go after your healing and to bring it into your household in the name of Jesus. And here's what we're going to do. And all all things whatever we ask in prayer believing we shall receive it I want to ask you the question if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior in this moment I want you to begin to ask him in your to your heart there's no uh, way there's no program way all you have to do is believe in your heart confess with your mouth and the Bible says that you shall be saved if you will believe this message of the cross if you'll believe this message of the blood if you'll believe the message of the resurrection in your place and position of prayer maybe you're watching online all you have to do is say Jesus come into my heart I know that I'm a sinner in need of a savior you do it in your own words but just say Lord come into my heart and help me live for you the rest of this life and God will save you he's saving you even now as you open up by the way the conviction coming in your heart God says I'm going to change you he said I'm going to come in and sup with you communicate with you fellowship with you and so if you're asking that just begin to ask but whatever it is 
you need, begin to ask God to do it in this moment. But as you're asking Him to do something for you, I want you to ask God, what is it that you desire me to do for you? As you're praying, God, do this and do that, and you have the authority to assign the angel to do what you commissioned them to do by the blood of Jesus. But I also want you in this time to say, God, what's your will in this season of my life? What is it you desire in Jesus' name? We hope you enjoyed this word. If you would like to hear more messages like this one, please take a second and click the subscribe button. And for more information on our ministry, please visit us at rhctn.com.